Hey everyone, welcome to the Refuel Team Fairchild podcast. Our goal with this podcast is for Team Fairchild to get to know each other, our support programs, and to increase our sense of community and development. Every episode, we will be sitting down with people from around the base and learning about them and their keys to success. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Refuel, Refuel Team Fairchild podcast top-up series. I'm sitting down with Mrs. Don Altmeyer, our community support coordinator and resiliency partner for the podcast. How's it going this morning, Don? I am doing great. How are you doing? Couldn't be better. It's a fine Wednesday morning, a little brisk, and fall is definitely here. Yes. So uh, you've helped us out quite a bit. Uh, you've I'm not sure whether this is going to come out in the series of podcasts, but we've sat down with you several times before about resiliency topics and actions that we can take on a daily or weekly or whatever basis that we want to do them on. What do you got for us today? So today we're going to talk about how we react and controlling how we react to events and situations and stuff. In resiliency, we call it reframe as one of the lessons. We talk about it in crucial conversations. It's stating your path or your path to action in emotional intelligence. Uh, it's part of one of the key components of self-management. Okay. And so there's there's lots of different names, but the research behind it's all the same. Um, and it's about being aware of how our brain interprets information. Okay. Okay. That's uh, very important. And we were talking a little bit before we got started here. I know um, we can take an event and, you know, I know for myself, I've definitely twisted it either purposely or not purposely. Uh, and it's not exactly the way that it actually happened or what the other person intended. Right, what the other person intended. And that's, I think, where a lot of us go wrong is that when we take in something, so our five senses takes in information. So usually when we're talking about reframe, it's it's sight or it's um, something we hear. And like Hallmark movies, and I've, people have heard me say this, they, they make a killing off of somebody overhearing a partial conversation or something's taken out of context, or they see something and their brain tells them it's one thing when really it was something completely different. And so there's this huge misunderstanding. And if we learn anything from the Hallmark movies, other than bad things happen an hour and a half into the movie, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then it takes them about 30 minutes, and then at the end of the movie, they figure out it was just a giant misunderstanding and we all laugh and live happily ever after. Uh, that's not real life. But the part that is, is that oftentimes when we see things, because we have this negativity bias where our brain is hardwired to interpret information negatively, if there's a way of interpreting it, chances are good we're going to interpret it in a negative fashion unless you practice this skill a lot. And uh, even I, who teach this all the time, and I know, and I have to calm myself down and say, this is just your brain running away with mm. things. And so mm. perfect example actually happened this weekend. So uh, we have a car that we have given to our daughter, but we have not transferred it over into her name yet. Huh. And uh, she does not live with us. You know, she lives out in the Valley. We live out near Cheney. And we actually got two tickets for the car in the mail saying that you have unpaid parking fines. And of course it's to my husband because the car is registered to him. Mm -hmm. And so I called my daughter and first thing is like, what the heck? You know, we do this nice, great thing for you and, and you go out and get a ticket. Now we owe $100 for these two tickets. And it had her license plate. It had. And so I called and said, hey, 
please help me understand. You know, have you, did you get parking tickets you didn't pay? She's like, no. You know, and I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm feeling my blood boiling and, you know, I'm a parent. So I'm like, you have a history of lying. I know you're lying to me, but you're not right in front of me. So my mom lie detector is a little faulty right now. And so we're having this conversation going back and forth. And while I'm talking to her, my husband's doing kind of the research thing. We'll come to find out the, the person, it was the wrong car. So it wasn't even the right car. And they actually, the person who wrote the tickets put pictures of the car and the license plate was off by one digit. So when they had typed it into the computer, somebody had mistyped oh. it, which came back to our license plate. And so my daughter was really upset. She's like, you accused me and I told you I didn't do it and you didn't believe me. And I'm like, well, I didn't have the evidence yet. You know, first evidence is, is I have not one, but two tickets, one. And what, what really got us researching was I paid for the registration. I knew the tabs were up to date. Mm-hmm. But yet it said that the tabs were overdue. And I'm like, mm, something's something's wrong here because I have the receipt for the car saying that yeah. we had paid for the tabs. And so, uh, you know, as we're going through, when we're looking at situations, you know, so, you know, how would most parents have handled that? You know, mm-hmm. we would have like, you got that evidence right in front of you. It says this is a license plate. You've got the car with that license plate. You're guilty. Case closed. You owe me $100. Uh, and that's just kind of how our brains, you know, we, we think we have all the evidence, but then we started really looking at it and calming down. And it, it took some effort for even me to just say, okay, she said she didn't do it. Let's, so let's go back and kind of dissect this. I reserve the right to be mad and yell at you later, but you know, we'll go through the steps to get there. Yeah. But we do this, our brain takes in all this information And because there's so much information your brain takes in, just sitting in my office, if you think desks and tables and wall decorations and all these things your brain has to take in, if it paid attention to everything, it would be so overwhelmed. So your brain takes shortcuts and just files information and tries to make connections with what makes the most sense to it. And what makes the most sense is going to be driven by your past experiences what you faced in that situation, what you've had other people face in that situation, your value system, your belief system. So all of these things come into your sphere of influence of what's going on into your brain. And then your, so we've talked about it, your eyes see it. So I see this parking ticket and this, you know, expired tags ticket. I see this and my brain's already like, oh, there she goes again being an untrustworthy human being. (laughs) And because past experience, you know, my brain ignores all the times my daughter's excelled at things and has done the right thing and immediately goes to the filing cabinet of everything she's ever done wrong in life. Yeah. Because confirmation bias says you've been guilty in the past. You must be guilty today. And I'm only going to recall the memories that prove (laughs) help your case (laughs) out. Help my case out. (laughs) And, uh, so you have these these experiences and it's it's rarely ever the activating event that causes our emotions and then drives our behavior. And I often use this story and I'm sure people are sick of hearing it, but it, it really shows how it's not the activating event or the trigger. So I always use the example as if my husband sends me flowers and the card just says from your husband. My brain takes this information and it says, okay, why has your husband sent you flowers in the past? Why have other people got flowers from their significant other? And it starts going through and it decides if my husband sent the flowers because he loves me, it's a special occasion, you know, those good reasons a spouse would send flowers. Or has he in the past sent flowers because he's done something and he's groveling or he wants something and he's begging. (laughs) And so it's not me getting the flowers. 
with no other information, my brain is filling in the gaps and it happens so fast that I am mm-hmm. either, oh, my husband loves me, wants me to have a day, a good day, because that's the story my brain told me. Or it's like, what has he done or what does he want? And then I have those more negative emotions that are emotions drive behaviors. So mm-hmm. depending on how my brain interpreted that information in that split second, then my self-talk comes in. And it's either got a fire extinguisher or a gallon of gasoline. And so <laughs> the self-talk's really where it starts happening. So if my brain's like, hey, your husband's done something or wants something, then it's just going to start pouring fuel on that fire. And I'm going to start looking for things that prove that my husband has done something or wants something. <laughs> so it's the same with my daughter. You know, it's like that little, I've got the devil and the angel and yep, one's carrying yep. the fire extinguisher and one's <laughs> carrying, and I am really fighting between the two. And it's like, all right, both of you just settle down. Let's go get some more information before we pass judgment and decide how we feel about this. And I've gotten really good now when someone's like, well, how do you feel about that? I'm like, I'm uncertain because I don't have enough information yet to feel. And the problem is media and so much of what's going on in society now feeds on this. They give you information that they know is going to cause your brain to take shortcuts. They, They leave words out of headlines that would be really important to know on the headline to say how you should truly feel about this situation. And so it feeds into that and they hope these outlets that put this information out there, they hope that you're not going to pause and think about it and go research it and say, okay, is there evidence to prove this? Is there evidence to not prove this? They just hope you're going to have an emotional reaction Mm -hmm. and click that like button or that share button and put your own little, you know, stamp of approval or stamp of, you know, dismay and just keep sharing it because that's how they get advertisers. And so they feed into that. And so we are being conditioned as a society to not think for ourselves that we respond yeah. off of our emotions because of a meme or, you know, some headline that's out there that is intentionally driven to attack our emotions and get us to re- react without thinking like "Mm, this just doesn't pass the common sense and so i just don't feed into that anymore or i intentionally will go out and do a ton of research to say okay here's where it was right but here's where it was misleading and it left out that piece of information that would get me to the right conclusion to what the truth is they're hoping that i'm not going to believe it and i'm seeing it so much right now i'm i'm like off of all social media Till after elections right now, because there's <laughs> so much information flying at me about why I shouldn't pick either candidate. It's like right now, I just feel like I'm in a no-win situation because there's so much information mm-hmm. thrown in my face that is supposed to elicit these strong emotions to cause me to react in an emotional way instead of a logical way. That is really interesting. And the, the time you're saying that, knowing that, I had that experience this past weekend i watched a short video and it made me it i knew what it was doing but it elicited and it got me uh feeling a certain way and i'll tell you that it wasn't a political video it wasn't about race so it was a stupid video but it got me feeling a certain way and i was like they're doing this this there is you know this is a a staged thing this is you know and even though i knew that it's still it still kind of freaked me out a little bit. So it, how do we, how do we pump the brakes in those sorts of situations? How do we, how do we recognize it? And then what action do we take? Yeah. Good question. Uh, so it takes a lot of 
pausing. So I actually have a sticker that is a pause button that reminds me (laughs) to pause and say, am I reacting off of emotion or am I reacting off of the fact? And so when I can do that and go back or when I feel myself, so getting in tune with your body and being able to tell where, what are your, what are your triggers? Like we all know, like some people it's driving in a car is huge trigger for them. How do they respond? It's like, I promise people do not get up in the morning to get in their car and get in your way. Like there's, there's nobody that does that really. Maybe a, like a 0.01% of the population right. might find that fun, but they're retired. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like when right. they used to have the lines in the commissary, the arrows that told you which way to go and you'd get the retirees that would come in. You know, there was that one person that would just walk down the wrong way uh, just to, to rub some people wrong. Mm-hmm. But we think that, that that's what they're doing. And so our brain starts, you know, telling us these truths. And when we talk about truths, one of my pet peeves, one of my triggers is when I hear people, this is my truth. And I'm like, "Mm," but I understand the the concept. So for me, there's the truth. I'm more of a Mm -hmm. logical person. And then, uh, but we show these video clips and there's some things that I show in unconscious bias training where sometimes the truth is not known to us. So one example is I have two people standing on either side of a number one person, that number looks like it's a nine and the other person looking at it, it says it's a six. That is both of theirs truth. The one that comes up on it from the, you know, the one side sees a nine, the person coming up from the other side sees a six. The only person who knows what number that was, was me because I made the video uh, (laughs) and I typed it on the keyboard. So for them, they don't know. They both come up to it and they can argue all day long because it's their truth. They don't, they don't have access to the truth. What was the person who put it there? What was yeah. that truly supposed to be? And so we we get here and, but there's, there's a difference. Sometimes we know what the truth is, but we use like confirmation bias to go pull to support our truth, which mm-hmm. that's faulty thinking. We, we've got to stop doing that where we go. So like an example was when uh, Washington state was legalizing pot mm-hmm. and I, I was against it. For those of you who are out there, sorry, I'm against it, but I have to look at a lot of research on on the effects of that. But my kids went to websites that said why pot is good for you and tried to use that, but they completely ignored all the websites that said the dangers of smoking marijuana. And I was like, but that's confirmation bias. You're only going and retrieving information that confirms what you want to be true. Yeah. And you're dismissing anything else. And so we have to be cognizant that are we doing that? Are we only looking for information? And as you're going through Google or, you know, whatever DuckDuckGo or whatever, you know, platform yeah. that you're using to search are and know that there's algorithms that track. And so if you look at certain things, so let's say that you look at a lot of um liberal websites. And I look at a lot of conservative websites. When I go into Google and I type in something, it is going to automatically pull things that align with what I already look for. And you're going to get a different list in Mm -hmm. the top 10 because of what your normal go-to is, you know, your search engines (laughs) (laughs) and really go look for the opposite side and feed yourself more information. Um, When you start feeling emotions, pause 
pause, 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 and go through, why am I feeling this? And ask yourself, what is it about this? Is there truth or is that, am I filling in gaps? So if someone sends a text and you're misinterpreting it, you know, did the other person really mean to say this? You know, if I were talking with this person, how would this have sounded? And I had that happen when my youngest daughter sent me a text and they're all adults and grown out, but I'd had a really busy day. I was still active duty for sergeant over at AMXS Mm -hmm. and she'd asked if a friend could stay the night. And I just sent the letter K so I could give her an answer not realizing that the letter K apparently means I'm mad. I, I didn't know. See, you don't know huh. either. Yeah. So apparently when you just send the letter K, that means you're mad. And so she sent back, okay, never mind. And so when I got home, I was like, okay, what happened? She's like, well, you're mad at me. I'm like, I was. And it was her interpretation. Mm, yeah. And so when I asked her, how many times do I say K? You know, it's like, hey, can Brina say the night? K. She didn't hear it that way. She heard it as K. Like, I was upset. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, but that's not, that's not how I would talk. I, if... I meant no, I would have just said, no, not tonight. It's not a good night. But, you know, I am I was giving you a fast answer so that you weren't waiting. You know, so here yeah. I think I'm trying to communicate quickly and efficiently. And she, it totally miscommunication there. And so that is kind of that reframe is she saw that. And instead of pausing, she just assumed I was mad and was like, okay, well, she doesn't want her to stay the night. I don't want to deal with it. And I wasn't upset. I wasn't mad. I was trying to give her a quick answer. (laughs) Who knew? (laughs) And so, you know, ask, ask the other person, you know, Hey, I saw this, what happened? But we don't, we avoid most parts Mm, or we get mad and, you know, we act like two-year-olds throwing temper tantrums and we don't ever really go talk to the person and say, Hey, I overheard this or I saw this or, and so if I go back to the thing with my husband, I don't know what my husband's intents are because the card only says, you know, from your husband. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, got the flowers. They're beautiful. What's the occasion? Question mark. Like, so you can throw that fishing line out there and he'll either be like, oh, I just want you to have a great day. It's like, ah, best husband. Or he's like, well, now that you brought it up, I can still be angry. You know, I still, (laughs) but I'm getting the evidence to know how I should feel. Yeah, Yeah. I'm allowed to be upset. I'm allowed to be mad. I'm allowed to be frustrated. I'm allowed to feel betrayed. Like I'm allowed all the emotions, but I need to first make sure I'm working off the right emotions because mm-hmm. there's no take backs. Once you throw something out there because your brain told you a story that was false and you accuse somebody of something without actually knowing the truth, there's no take backs. You don't get to take that back. So it's always a good idea to pause and work through it. Walk away if you have to, but bring your emotions back down. And I always ask myself, what else could this mean? Or why would a reasonable, rational human being do this? Because I believe most people that we work with, like a really high 99.9% of the people are reasonable, rational human beings who are in a state in their world, you know, what's going on that may do irrational things or unreasonable things, but that doesn't make them irrational or unreasonable. Just means they're going through their own challenges. So asking myself, why would that person do this? And then just going and talking. Yeah. Hey, you know, I saw this. Can you please help me understand? And then be angry if you need to be angry or laugh it off and say, oh, funny story. (laughs) Here's where my brain was going with that. And, you know, kind of holding off the the fuel or the fire extinguisher. But I always say it never, ever, ever hurts to give the person the benefit of the doubt. Never. Because once the truth comes out, you still get to be mad later. But if you were mad first and find out you were wrong, you've you've hurt a relationship. It's a lot harder to rebuild that bridge. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so... We got to identify our triggers, pump the brakes, and communicate. 
is yes is what I'm taking away. That's our action pieces that we all have to practice this week and hopefully longer than this week. And see where that gets you. Let us know how it feels. Any last parting thoughts? No, I think you covered it. Alrighty. You guys take care. Hopefully this is helpful for you. Uh, drop us a line. Let us know how you feel about it. If you have any other topics you want us to cover, we are more than welcome to do that as well. Y'all take care. Well, that's it for this episode of Refuel Team Fairchild. If you have show ideas, people you'd like to hear from, or if you'd like to be on the podcast, contact us at fafb.com. C-A-A at gmail.com.